thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Kristoff. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. And today we have a very special guest, actually a special friend to all of us. Great friend. Uh, Dr. JC Prima is a chiropractor and founder of Well Kids. And uh, she has developed a program that supports chiropractors and helping families becoming not just from a health practice, but to a long-term life of health and fun family lifestyle. And so what I loved about JC is that she's done this program to make it easier for chiropractors, but also make it easier for the parents and kids to enjoy just getting adjusted, but also getting looking at food and looking at their health differently. So welcome to the Wellness Guys show, JC. Thank you, guys. I'm really excited to be here. I've been listening to the show for a long time, so it's a bit ex- exciting to be on the other end of the call. Yeah, I think, JC, you've actually been one of our very earlier listeners, so it's uh, great to have you on the call. So, JC, tell us, you know, tell us about your program a little bit and tell, why did you decide to do something like Well Kids and why is it so important for parents to kind of look at, you know, different things about how it affects kids at a very young age? Yeah, for me, I um, as soon as I graduated, I knew I wanted to work with kids. I have uh, had this knack that I can just uh, get the kids to have a really great time when they come into the office. And I was really surprised to see that, uh, you know, that wasn't the same experience in every other office. Some people just felt really um, a little bit nervous working with kids or um, the communication wasn't there so that parents weren't really getting 100% of the answers that they needed. So for me, it was just identifying that we have this beautiful craft that we are able to facilitate health in children and really make such a change, and we can do it in such a fun way. And so I wanted more chiropractors around Australia, and now we're going internationally, but around the world, to, to have the same experiences that I was in practice. No. So, JC, a lot of our fans, the first question they're going to have is, why would a kid need to go and see a chiropractor? Obviously, we know we're chiropractors, but we'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I think um, the, the easiest way to think about it is that as chiropractors, we're, we're wanting to help children to live to their full potential, to, to experience life and to have such a, a, a magic journey through uh, their childhood without ailments or pain or discomfort, um, but also just you know, achieving their, their full 100% of health. And unfortunately, we, we really see a lot of children not reach their full potential. We, we think that they're, they're pretty healthy, but they get their colds and flus a lot of the time. So it's, uh, it can be quite a tough thing for, for parents to understand what we're saying when we say 100% of health. But for parents, it's, it's that opportunity of, of coming to us and just for us to go through and, and help share with them the information that we have about how well a body can work and the different things that we need to look out for to know that a little, a little person's body isn't working the way it should be. And some of the things are, are posture, uh, we look at milestones, uh, we, we also support the families to change diets and, and to look at different activities and lifestyle factors as well to really support those little bodies to grow and develop you know, as best as they can. That's nice, JC. Now, there's a whole lot of people that I see in my practice, and I know Brett and Lawrence do as well, but that are asymptomatic. Like they have no symptoms. There's nothing wrong with them. Well, you're doing a good job then, aren't you? Um, well, maybe we are. And, mm. and, and, but why would – let's say, for example, there's somebody out there with a child – 
because there will be people out there with a child who <laughs> who actually don't have any symptoms. Why should they see a chiropractor? I think that, um, again, this is starting to, to go into the realm of sick, well, black and white or gray area. And this is the way that I, I uh, explain it to parents. When I have a child that comes in and they're asymptomatic, I'll go through a, hu- a huge amount of little tests with them and I will really look at exactly how well that body's functioning. And even though they're asymptomatic, I can start to pick up on very early signs that there is something going on. That might be that their pelvis isn't moving as well, so I know that's why they're not crawling as evenly as they should be. Uh, it might be that I've just noticed that they're not turning their head as well as they should be to the right or the left. And even though it's not hurting them, that's actually affecting how those muscles are developing because one side is a lot tighter than the other. And at the end of the day, you know, there's this great research coming out of New Zealand, and I hope one day that you talk to Heidi Havick from over in New Zealand, um, if you haven't already, and She's just looking at how an adjustment changes uh, the brain. And we know that development comes from the nervous system and how well a body can experience the environment, take that information in, churn it all up, process it, and then come out with an excellent result. And that's how uh, a child will learn and develop and grow. And so for us, it's really important to not only have their body in balance so it can receive information really well, but actually make sure that that spine is working properly. And so the messages travel up to the brain in a beautiful way as well. So, JC, let's, let's start by uh, you know, giving some listeners to what to look for. And we're going to go through all the ages uh, for kids, but let's start with the early age. You know? so let's go with the first six months. You know, what as, you know, for parents, what, are they, what should they be looking for in terms of their, their child, in terms of development, or what some of the things that you would think is most important factors environmentally or just the way we take care of them or the way we hold them that may affect the impact on the health of that child as they go uh, as they grow up so in that north to six age uh, six month age group uh, what you're wanting to to look for is really good symmetry um, so when you're if the baby's being breastfed uh, usually they'll turn their head to one side or the other and so if a mother's having trouble feeding on one side, they generally will think that they're doing something wrong or it might be just the baby has got something going on in their neck and their spine needs to be looked at by a chiropractor. And so they can't turn their head and that's why they, they are a bit fussy on that side and the parents have to look at different alternatives for breastfeeding on that side. Uh, the other thing is tummy time. If a child is not enjoying tummy time, uh, all kids should be able to do tummy time really easily. So if you're putting your baby on their tummy and they're screaming... Uh, there's something going on, whether it be something going on in their neck or in the mid-pack between their shoulders, because being born's a big deal. So, you know, there's going to be some, some changes that happen to those little bodies uh, when they come through the birth canal, and sometimes long, they are fine. How long should they be able to do tummy time for? So when uh, we have the babies on their tummy, we want to be able to see, see them comfortably stay there for a good five minutes. And when they're getting that little bit stronger as well, they can stay on there for a lot longer. Every child's going to be that little bit different and a lot of the time they'll need stimulation from you so it's not just a matter of uh, putting them on their tummy and leaving them alone. Uh, so it's, you're going to want to work up from that. But it should be something, a lot of the parents that, have, that complain that their child doesn't like tummy time, those children start screaming in those five, first two minutes. Mm. JC, yeah. I think it's important. This is a very important topic, I think, with the with parents <laughs> because um, when they stop, um, when the parents are experiencing the kids are crying and they're doing tummy time, they actually end up stop doing it. 
And could you just explain to the you know the listeners why tummy time is so important in that early phase and how it actually impacts their life? Mm. So tummy time is important for a number of different ways. When a child's on their tummy and they're lifting their head, they're firing up the the muscles that go down the back of the back of the spine, and they really impact the back of the brain. And we know that part of the brain is really important uh, as that child's developing. So by a child not having that tummy time and not having that stimulation, their brain isn't getting that crucial stimulation needed for development later on. Uh, the other thing is that when they're on their tummy, it's great stimulation for them from their, on their actual tummy, but also for their eyes because they're, they're very close to the ground, so they're, they're practicing that near vision. They get to see their hands really closely as well. And then they start to lift their head and look away. So for their eye, uh, their eye development, it's super important as well. And so, Josie, at that age, what are the other things parents need to be thinking about? Obviously, we've spoken about their, their nervous system and the chiropractic. But in terms of, I guess, the, the whole wellness picture, what are the other things we can be looking for at that age? And, and what should we be thinking of in terms of keeping them well at that age? Well, there's, there's going to be a big debate here about, uh, well, not so much with us, but the parents at home when they hear this, but prams versus baby wearing. Uh, we, we tend to go for the prams in Australia. I'm not sure what it's like overseas, but the pram is something that's very handy. It's a, a great thing to use for, for the kids. But what it does is it puts them on their back for a very long time and also uh, keeps them that way while they're going over bumps. And this can be an issue not only because it's not giving them that extra stimulation that tummy time can give them, but particularly if they've got some changes in their cranium, so any changes in head shaping, so they might start get a flat, start to get that flatness on the back. Um, that prolonged time in the pram uh, isn't giving them the stimulation for the brain, but it's also putting pressure on the back of their head. Uh, there's lots of sorry, you jump in. <laughs> I was just going to say, JC. You know, a lot of people talk about this whole flat head thing, and we see a lot of it. And uh, and it's called play Josephly for those listeners who are listening, wondering what we're talking about with flathead, but plagiocephaly is potentially quite a serious problem, isn't it, JC? And, and many people kind of dismiss it and say, oh, don't worry about it, your kid will grow out of it, or my kid's got a flathead too, don't be too concerned about it. What are the implications of a flathead? Well, there is research to indicate that children that do have a uh, plagiocephaly uh, won't, they won't have a reduced uh, intelligence, but they perhaps won't reach their full potential. So that is quite a, a very big, um, big topic, and I know that they, there needs to be a lot more research in that area as well. Uh, but we know that any kind of distortion in the in the cranium can impact that growing and that that very uh, uh, important uh, nervous structure. And uh, so any kind of pressure is not good pressure. Uh, so I think that's the message that parents need to be aware of. Very cool. You know, in the, in the age of uh, zero to one, um, one of the big things that parents are given a lot of gifts, like obviously, and a lot of gifts that they, you know, are given is like the bumble seats or the, um, you know, uh, jolly jumpers. And uh, I guess those, uh, you know, I can't even remember what they're called, but they, they put the kid the in. The walkers. Yeah, the walkers. Walker, yeah. Walker. So, mm. you know, what are your thoughts on that and what is the impact on the kid's health? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. I forgot to write that on my list. But, uh, for for parents, I think one of the things that we always sit back and we see this beautiful transition that the babies go through and they're, they're learning new skills and we get so excited and we want to help them get there that little bit faster. 
But we really need to take that step back and just look at the beauty of these transitions that the kids are going through. Bumbos, walkers, jolly jumpers, what we're doing is putting a child in a position that is extending them past their neurological age. So we're extending them past where they're supposed to be at. And what that does is it takes away the stimulation that they should be getting right at that moment for their their transition into the next milestone. And we're trying to push them ahead too far. So jolly jumpers can place, uh, uh, and I don't like to use the the brand name, but those jumping those jumpers can place uh, pressure on the on the lower back. We're putting a child who perhaps isn't used to being upright in an upright position, and then getting them to jump. Um, bumbos are very handy for parents. Parents swear by them in in many areas. But if they're used as a babysitter, we're putting a child in a seated position, and they're not ready. And the walkers, again, if a child hasn't crawled yet, you're, ex- you're um, wanting the child to walk in a walker and you're missing that crucial step of crawling and that's a, just a whole other topic. So, Jacey, obviously we've spoken there a bit about, I guess, stuff we shouldn't do when they're at that age um, and probably there's a whole bunch of others you could add, there, add in there like you know, too much screen time and a whole range of other things you know, even at such a young age. But what should we be giving kids at that age? Like, What are some age-appropriate toys? What are some age-appropriate activities that are great for kids of that age? I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, just hands-on playtime. So, uh, that, that's just like the iPhone and the iPad, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly. No, that's, I'm not talking about that. Not handheld devices. Oh, not handheld no, device. oh, right, no, okay. no, no, not at all. I'm talking about the parents taking the child and, and playing airplanes with them oh. and holding them in a football position across their arms so the baby's face down and swinging them back and forth and... And, you know, just getting them to giggle and laugh and, and tickle them and really just engage with them on that um, really gorgeous level where you, where you just see both people come alive. That is the, that's the most uh, incredible way to facilitate normal development. It's just getting their body moving, taking them in from upright and lying down and moving around and swinging around in a nice way. I'm not saying... We're not playing football with your child, here. but um, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you made that disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I knew you were going to take that and run with it. I know I've listened to too many of the podcasts, uh, but you know it, it is that hands-on um, playtime that is just so amazing. And you guys have children, and it, yes. you, you you know that feeling, that excitement, that joy that the high-pitched screech that they get because they're just having a ball. They're the things that, um, you know, just facilitate that development so well. I love mucking around with kids in the practice where you'll kind of throw them off balance, just just tap them off balance a little bit and try to get them to – you know, fall backwards or fall forwards and fall sideways and muck around. The kids love it too. And then we'll pick them up and do some aeroplanes and uh, forward rolling, backward rolling on our big, you know, exercise balls and all those sorts of things. They're the sorts of things you're talking about, aren't they, JC? That's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, so that's that's for the next age group up. So using those exercise balls are fantastic. They're, they're things that I use in practice as well. Uh, we have the balancing beam as well, getting them to walk along that. Uh, nice. Practicing standing on one leg with eyes closed, uh, yeah, trying to yeah, trying to walk along a straight line with your eyes closed or one eye closed. Uh, oh, they're yes. all things that really uh, stimulate I find that the tough brain. Myself, actually, but, yeah, uh, yes, yep. yep. many adults, and that's the thing. You know, if you have something going on in your spine, and we have this poor relationship between our bo- brain and body, 
we see it in kids, but adults obviously have it as well uh, and have many, much more, you know, many more years of that distortion. So for all the people at home, just try and do 10 steps, heel to toe, walking along, a, you know, trying to go along a straight line with your yeah. eyes closed. And yes. you'll find out pretty quickly if your brain and body aren't connected. And that's what we see in the kids as well. So anything that facilitates uh, that, that communication between brain, brain and body and even better after an adjustment because we've cleared out those pathways, that is yeah, where we can see some really cool results. Can I just can I share something there just before we go on because this is super cool and people are going oh yeah whatever 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 but the other day I had a lady who when she came in if she closed her eyes she fell over right so I'm like oh what am I going to do here so the only thing I thought I could do was adjust her little toe and so I just it sounds weird I adjust her little toe uh, because I thought if I do anything too big I, I didn't know what would happen so I thought I'll just adjust her little toe and I'll get her to close her eyes so I adjust her little toe. And I got her to close her eyes and she didn't fall over. Like that's the first time in years she hasn't fallen over when she's closed her eyes. So I thought, oh, that's very interesting. So I move my upper body and, you know, over the coming weeks, I'm, I've, we've now managed and she's managed to be able to do this. She can walk with her eyes open along a um, like a, a brick fence kind of ledge thing and she's 70-something years old and she's been able to retrain her brain. So what you're telling us to do here, JC, in a young person's brain is hugely significant even for somebody who's 70 years old or 80 years old. It, it really works. It's good stuff. Yeah, look, and I think that it comes down to that fundamental thing that we have to really respect what the body does. And the children that we see are going through developmental milestones and there's, there's certainly things that can impact them along that way. But as adults, our function is, uh, needs to be maintained and our body and brain connection needs to be maintained. And so we really need to respect that that system knows what to do. It just doesn't need the interference that we, we see that our lifestyles and, uh, and changes to the spine can, can do. So uh, exactly, that's, the brain is pretty, pretty incredible. Sometimes it needs a little bit of help and it certainly needs some good ingredients. Brett always talks about the really good uh, food, uh, sorry, movement and uh, Damo with food and, and LT with, your, um, with positive mindset, thinking mindset. and goal setting mindset. Mm. It's... Um, you know, they're things that are, are crucial. And that's what it always comes back down to. But it's just really interesting when you see those improvements and changes in, in kids and in, in adults in practice. So, you know, a lot of the parents are going to be wondering, you know, as they, you talked a lot about movements and why it's so important. But is there any particular sport, you know, or activities that, you know, that can actually be more harmful than good in terms of, you know, as the kids get older, that you, we should always avoid or not do? Or what's your opinion on that? I think that we always just have to look at the impact on the body and then what are you going to do to facilitate the system to be able to cope. So just like we always ask uh, our kids to sit up straight, you know, look after your posture. When they're at school, they're sitting down for such a long period of time, we then have to get them walking around and looking after themselves to counteract what they do when they're sitting down, just like we do with our sports. Uh, If you're playing a sport that requires a heavy amount of work on your body, then your body will probably require a little bit more attention than someone playing a different sport. So, uh, I mean, you can get into specific sports and specific actions. Heading the ball in soccer is is not good. It's been um, shown to be uh, bad for necks and for brains. Uh, and there's lots of things in all other sports, but rather than sort of like cricket it, leading to boredom, you know that that could be yeah. too as well. <laughs> Whoa, <right>. cricket, <laughs> sure, hello, you know, stick to softball, mate. You know, geez. I'm not getting into some sports <laughs> conversations, but 
but that's the thing that we always have to think about. What are you going to do to your, you know, what are you doing to your body? So what or what is the child doing to their body in those sports? And then what are you going to do to support their body to cope and to be able to live in a really good way and not have those impacts last with them for a long time? Uh, And so that's the way to think about it, I think. And so, Jason, we've mentioned a few times there, I guess, the screen time and the computers and the gadgets and also the posture. So, you know, we know that, I guess, in our modern world that, that that's going to happen to some degree. I mean, even in schools now, kids have got laptops. They're, they're having to sit down at computers and do a lot more of that sort of work. So, I guess, how much of that should we be doing? Like, you know, how much do you think we need to limit that? How much do you think we need to allow that? And then the second part of that question is, well, if they are going to be doing that and working on the computer and using their laptops and all those devices, then... What's the best way they can sort of look after themselves while they're doing that in terms of their posture and movement and those sort of things? Okay, well, uh, first part is when the children are young, then it's really up to the parents. The parents really need to, to help their child understand, uh, you know, the amount of time that they're spending on, the, on screens. And so one of my families, they use Wi-Fi time as a reward. Uh, there are all playtime on the, on the, um, on the laptops and so if they don't do all the other things that they need to do during the day, they don't get that, that Wi-Fi time or that, that screen time uh, and they get it in little snippets. And I quite liked that because it's, it's saying, hey, you know, this isn't something that's going to help you, but we understand that you enjoy it, so let's add it in as a reward in, in some areas. Uh, and the parents, I think... The ones that really get on top of it are the ones that say, no, at night time, all of the gadgets, they're out of the bedrooms, they come in and they sit on the kitchen table. Uh, just really taking, the, taking that time to set out rules for your family that works for you in your house, that's the best way to monitor that, that time. Uh, for the older kids, I think this is where as health practitioners it helps as well because the parents can ask and ask and ask, but... Uh, if you have another person sort of saying the similar things, it's it's is a lot more powerful. Uh, I always talk about when if children bring in screens, um, so iPads or, or um, iPods or whatever, into the practice and they're they're using them, then I'll actually rather than just saying no, you can't use them in my practice. What I'll do is get them to sit there, sit up straight in the perfect posture, and hold the uh, the apparatus up to their eyes, so their arms are sort of in the air a little bit. And then as soon as their arms get tired and they need a rest, I say, right, okay, that's, you know, you need to put that down now. And that's where they can start to see, wow, this impacts my body and it creates that correct that connection. That mm. works in my practice because it's my practice. I'm sure it won't work for as many parents at home. But these are the messages that we need to start telling the kids is that when you're using them and you're stuck in this posture for a long time, it's really going to have an impact on your body. And that's connection we need to make for them to help them make better decisions. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's awesome. You know what happened the other day? My son was reading a book. And this is a little bit embarrassing. He's reading a book. Anyway, he, uh, he gestured on the page to zoom in on the page. That's a, you know, like, I think that's just incredible. You know what I mean? Like, Jackson's a pretty well, smart fellow, right? This- yeah, well, and it's the same when we have kids come in and they're two or three and, well, not two or three, but one or two and perhaps they're, they're, they don't have as many words um, as you would think, but they're using iPads like no one's business. It's incredible how much they can learn. 
and they're going to be around and we're going to use them. But I think that's where we need to say, right, how can we use these in the best way possible? Yes, we can get benefits from them, but they also can cause these issues. How can we try to, to look after that end of the scale? You know, I know that's uh, as we head to the teenage years, I know that's how the patients that come in, they have like this particular posture and also attitude like a caveman. You know, they, they stoop over and their shoulders are like rolled forward in and their heads, you know, drop down. They look down the whole time and they start, right. especially the boys, they start grunting, right? Their answers to anything is like, and, and that's about it. You get one word answer. My challenge has always been like to get two words out of them. And uh, so what, what are some of the things that lead to that and how, how important is that? In, in terms of trying to correct that as soon as possible. I mean, we all know that at the age around 18 to 21, their spines are pretty much matured. And uh, once they've matured, they, they really not as much change as it could be possible if they're done, you know, focused on a little younger. So what are some of the uh, health impacts on the child? In f- yeah. Well, I think that we better make one correction because I don't think Brett would like you calling that caveman. I think we need no. to call that zombie. Yeah. Generalizations about cavemen, and I appreciate it, Lawrence. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I've that's because Brett's. That. <laughs> I, heard, I heard Brett. I heard Brett gasp. He, he had a little yeah. squeal in the background. No, he, gr- he, he grunted, didn't he? he went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's call it zombie, yeah, because I I think that that's a better. Uh, zombies uh, actually uh, have their heads up, though. You know. I'm just joking. Okay, well, a tired zombie. Let's just work in this realm here, okay? Um, Look, (laughs) I I think that that's the scariest thing to think about is that when the changes, the little changes that we see early on stick with these kids. And for me, one of the things with the Well Kids program and what the chiropractors who are running it um, do is take posture pictures as we go along. And I loved the other day uh, one of the mums came in and she just said to me, Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Guess what, Dr. Daisy? I have to show you this. And she brought in a soccer uh, photo. So it was a picture of her son and the team. They'd won the premiership or um, whatever it's called. I don't do soccer. Uh, uh, And she was so excited, not about them winning, but her son was the only one with straight shoulders and standing up tall in that whole team. And that to me, I just, oh, tears to my eyes. But the changes that we see in these young kids do stick with them. And so if we have a, an, a teenager that comes in and they're at that 18, you know, 17, 18, 19, 21, all up through there, they're, they're, you're, you're correct. Their spine has solidified, I guess, in, in, into a position that is not good for them long term. And so the earlier we can catch on to that, the earlier we can make those changes, the more we can do to facilitate that spine to be in, in good alignment to be as healthy as possible, to stop that chronic change and build up long-term. And, yes, that's a very, very good very good point. And this is why parents, and this is one of the take-homes I really want parents to, to look at as well. Yes, check your balance, but also really look at your kids' posture. Are their shoulders balanced? Is their head over their shoulders? These are the things that we need to, to look out for. And if they're not, you need to get them to a chiropractor. And so, JC, we've touched on it there, just how prevalent this is becoming and, and how much, I guess, greater those stresses are on the kids with all these modern gadgets, with the amount of time they spend sitting, TV, computers, all of those sort of things. I mean, in your opinion, what's going to happen if we don't do anything? I mean, we're seeing these sort of changes already in kids. We're talking about 10 years old, 20 years old. What's going to happen when these kids get to you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old? Like, what, what, what do you think we're heading towards if we don't do something different? We're just going to be very, very sick and in a lot of pain. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. 
one of the things that I always get people in my practice to do is when we're talking about posture, stick that head forward and stick it forward as far as possible and just stay there for about 30 seconds. You'll start to tighten up. You'll get sore, sore shoulders. You won't breathe as well. Yeah, try and, take, try and take a deep breath in that position. It makes yeah. a massive difference. Trying to take a deep breath. Now, we know that we need to move well. We need to breathe well. We need to uh, look after our bodies to be at their best. And if we ignore these things, they do come back to bite us. And the scariest thing is that it's not biting us at 40 anymore. It's the kids are coming in with back pain. The kids are coming back in with neck pain. The children that should be asymptomatic under wellness care are coming in with pain. And it's simply because we aren't listening to the body and we're not noticing these small changes early. Posture is, that posture is just terrible and it actually does affect the mindset as well. You I mean, if you look at a, um, you know, if you look at, if you ask anybody to say, well, what does a depressed or sad person look like? Is that same posture? And you know, is it the posture that affects the mind or is it the mind that affects the posture? Well, it doesn't really matter. It affects both ways, I, my belief system. And, and I think it, the posture has an impact on how psychologically how they think and how they, um, you know, their, their minds work. If you just improve their posture, their minds can be much clearer and they're going to start thinking properly. So, you know, that's, that's the biggest suggestion I think take away from, from what we talked about. JC, awesome interview. Just amazing insights. And thank you so much for just everything you said i think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this and they'll be looking at their kids i know that that's what uh, they'll be doing and checking all those little things that uh you know that they will be moving forward with and also you know seeing a chiropractor i hope that to find the best chiropractors around and no better way than go to uh, wellkids.com.au which is your website i think for those mm-hmm. for those of you listening that are chiropractors this is one of the best programs I have ever seen. And you guys got to go check it out. And, um, you know, it's a great program to allow, you know, your patients and your clients to actually get the most out of, um, you know, your education and also for them to see progress. And for parents. Plus the communication of it. The, yeah. The communication of, like, this progress and, and what's necessary for children and what to do and how to do it. The communication is gold. Yeah. And well, for, and at the, yeah, sorry. And at the end of the day, health should be fun. We should be celebrating bodies and this is uh you know this is what i'm passionate about and this is what we teach so um very exciting stuff thanks for, for all you do jc for the parents you know like oh, what i love for you guys to do is check out the website because there's information for you there too but also there for you to find a chiropractor who's actually a well kids chiropractor and so i think that's a great way to find them jc so much thank you so much again uh for all your time i'd love for everybody to go to our facebook page facebook.com slash the wellness guys or the wellness couch and tell us what you think about this particular interview and tell us what you learned. And while you're there, make sure you like us if you haven't uh, already. And make sure you share this podcast with your friends and your family. And if you're a chiropractor, share it with your patients and other clients as well. And go to our iTunes page and subscribe to us while you're there and leave us a five-star rating because, like you said, D- Damien loves it. I know I love it, and so does Brett. So make sure you go there and leave us a comment. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example, and let's change the world health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.